All right, we're back in another Sound the Battle Cry. Today, we're going to continue the Dangers of the Truth Movement series. Uh, last time, we talked about uh, triggering, triggering cognitive dissonance and the snare of self-righteousness. That was basically the uh, attitude that we should have if you're part of the truth movement and trying to wake people up and uh, tell them the truth also about the Bible. And it was also about the approach that you take with people, uh, the way that you talk to them, these types of things. But today we're going to talk about another danger of the truth movement. And um, this is a huge danger if you have become a part of this, um, if especially if you are not a Christian. This is a great show for you to listen to. Uh, but even if you are, it's great for you to learn as well. And because uh, you always want to get better at talking to people about various different subjects, you got to become more of a conversationalist, okay? Because Jesus was. Jesus talked to many different types of people. And this is what I've been trying to uh, teach people is that you have to have, you, you got to try to broaden your your um, streams of knowledge, your, you know, the, the topics of that you talk to people about. Because uh, if you don't know how to talk about various different things, then it's um, hard for you to relate to people. I mean, Jesus talked to the woman at the well. He talked to Nicodemus. He talked to the rich young ruler. He talked to Zacchaeus. He talked to Pharisees. He talked to all different types of people from all different backgrounds. And guess what? He approached them all differently. So you got to learn how to do that too. But anyways, let's continue this. Get into it. So this one's called Dangers of the Truth Movement, Gnosticism and Witchcraft Repackaged as New Age Enlightenment. So this danger that we're talking about today is the New Age movement and the new age influence in the truth movement. Uh, Let's read a couple things and then we'll get into it. Now let's talk about the biggest lie in the truth movement and how to discern truth. Hebrews chapter five, verse 13 says this for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness for he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14. Okay. So this is talking about discernment. They have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And those are the Christians that are on to the strong meat. Okay. If you, when you're first born again, you're first saved, you're first being become a Christian, you don't have very much discernment at all. Uh, you're a babe, you're a baby. So as time goes on, you exercise your senses, you gain experience, you start to have better discernment to discern before between good and evil. So today in this show, if you are a babe, I'm making the show to help you have better discernment. Okay. So Charles Spurgeon said this, discernment is not simply a matter of telling the difference between what is right and wrong. Rather, it is the difference between right and almost right. And it's a very important distinction. Okay, because the truth can be, I mean, a lie can be very close to the truth. You know, you've probably heard it a million times, but the rat poison analogy, how it can be 99.95% good food, and it's that 0.05 poison that'll ruin the whole thing. That's deadly. So this is what we have to watch out for. So probably the we're going to get into this. Probably the biggest danger of the truth movement is new age philosophy, beliefs, and practices, which are really just witchcraft and occult beliefs and practices. 
I will be mainly focusing on the overall philosophy of the New Age movement and just briefly touching upon the practices. I will cover and expose various New Age practices more in depth in future shows. Practices. Now, before I get into this a little bit more, um, I'd like to say a couple things because last time, last show I said I'm qualified to talk about this because I've been a part of the truth movement for over 10 years. Uh, And I want to talk about that a little bit more. When I first got into the truth movement, I read the book, And the Truth Shall Set You Free, by David Icke, the infamous man who talks about shape-shifting reptilians. But he talks a lot more about than about those things. Uh, And especially in that book, that was before he got into that stuff. He talks about a lot of truth, man. If you read that book, And the Truth Shall Set You Free, he exposes a lot of truth and a lot of different issues. Um... You know, about the Federal Reserve, about Iran-Contra, the, uh, you know, Freemasonry, uh, JFK assassination, all kinds of different things throughout history. Secret societies and how, you know, obviously the main ones that these politicians belong to, the, the leaders, how they belong to the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, the Council on Foreign Relations, the Royal Institute of International Affairs, uh, the Committee of 300... You know, all these different things. So, there's a lot of truth in there. But the big old, what I like to call poop in the punch bowl, is the New Age influence. And before I got, uh, before I became a Christian, I had definitely some New Age beliefs. Man, I was definitely a New Ager. Because in that book, one of the main things that he teaches, that it, which is New Age, is that you know, that you can create your own reality. Basically, you think it and you speak it and, and you're creating your own reality. Um, it's a total New Age belief. It's like that book, uh, The Secret. And then, you know, other New Age beliefs he has. He talks about chakras in your body and um, uh, meditation and stuff like that. He talks about, he goes to some place in, I think, South America and has this experience where energy is going through his body and... and um, he talks about uh, vibrations, different levels of vibration and, and levels of consciousness and higher con- getting in touch with your higher consciousness and spreading positivity and light throughout this world and stuff. It's all new age concepts. And the problem with the new age is that because a lot of people, if you're a new ager, you might be like, well, what's wrong with that? You know, because a lot of these things sound positive. They sound good. They sound, wow, what's wrong with spreading love and peace and light and uh, all those types of things, which is what new a lot of New Agers are pushing. Well, the problem is, is that those are just a facade. That's just a mask because what the peace and love and light, what those things are tied together with is what makes them bad. Okay. very. In fact, they're tied together with very evil things. You just don't see them as evil. Because they've been repackaged with a veneer to present to be presented to you as something positive and something good. Because, okay, the devil knows, you might not believe in the devil, and that's fine, but the devil knows that most people will not willingly serve evil if evil is just blatantly in the open. What I mean is this. The devil isn't up here 
as a red goat looking person with horns and a pitchfork and uh, looking all sinister. You know, the Bible says that Satan is transformed into an angel of light. And what that means is he appears as something good, as something positive. Okay, and that's how he is able to deceive so many people. Satan can take many different forms. A Satan and his angels, they take many different forms to deceive many people because a lot of people, outwardly, they have to think that they're doing some type of good, right? They can, Most people aren't going to be like, yeah, I worship the devil and I'm going to kill and torture and rape people. That's not what most people want to do. And so he doesn't present himself that way. He is very, the Bible says he's the most subtle beast of the field, which means he is very cunning. He, his deception is so, uh, subtle. It's very slight. It's very hard to detect. That's what it means. It sounds good. It looks good. It seems like it's good. And the only way that you can see through it is if you have spiritual discernment, you have the word of God. Now, Moving on here. Now, you might say, oh, but, you know, the Bible was written by men, and uh, that's a a tool of the Illuminati, and that's a tool given to uh, bring people into bondage and slavery, and 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 the Bible was written to suppress people and prevent them from understanding the secrets of the universe and their full potential, and that's what it was really written for. Really? Well, if you've done any research, of course, you must know about the Vatican and their evil throughout history and how they put millions of people to death. They've tortured them and they put them to death. And you know what one of the biggest things that the Vatican did was they outlawed the Bible for the common man. The common man was not allowed to have access to the word of God. Did you know that? Now, if the Illuminati, which make no mistake about it, and back in ancient Rome, the leaders of the mysteries at that time were the Caesars. They were called, they, one of their titles was Pontifex Maximus. And then guess what? When the popes took over, the Catholic Church was started and, and the, the popes took over, they took on the same title. They still hold the title of Pontifex Maximus. They are the leaders of the mystery religions and they hold those keys to the mysteries. Okay. And the reason that's significant is they're the ones that suppress the reading of the Bible. Okay? Why didn't they want people reading the Bible? Because they would have seen through their system. That's why. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why uh, the result of the Protestant Reformation was because of the printing press came in the 1500s, the Gutenberg. And then as a result of that, people started reading the Bible in their own language in, in, in German, in Greek, in, in Latin, and in, in, especially in English. Once William Tyndale translated the Bible into English, uh, eventually resulting in the King James Bible, it totally created a mortal wound in the power of the Catholic Church over the world. And so, uh, the, especially the 
military arm of the Catholic Church, the Jesuits, hated the King James Bible so much that they came up with a plan called the Gunpowder Plot in which Jesuits loaded up um, barrels of gunpowder and they dug a tunnel from a building right next to Parliament under there and they worked like 18 hours a day for like a year to make this tunnel and to set up this whole plan. Well, they got busted at the last minute. They were trying to blow up King James in Parliament. Why? Because they, because of the King James Bible. Because what it was, what it was going to do, to break the Catholic Church's power over Europe and over the world. So, you know, and it wasn't all. King James wasn't involved in the translation of the King James Bible, the authorized version. All he did was authorize it. Okay, now. Getting back to what I was saying before, what's the point of all that? The point of all that is that it's completely absurd to say that the Illuminati and, and uh, these the, the elite came up with the Bible to control your mind. No, see, that's what Lucifer's lie is, is that we're going to get into that. Lucifer's lie from the beginning is that he tells mankind, listen, God is hiding knowledge from you he is hiding secret knowledge from you and if you had access to the secret knowledge then you'd truly be free you could become gods and that's what god doesn't want you to do and satan's saying the same thing now he's saying no you don't want to follow the bible what you want is the secret knowledge okay so we're going to get into that but you know uh, getting back to my story, my story is that, so I read David Icke's book. I read, I listened to some other people who had new age beliefs. Um, I visited, I was friends with, uh, a lot of new agers. I hung out with witches and who are, were involved in, cause I was a death metal singer as involved. I was a metalhead, and I uh, went to see a psychic. And so I had a lot of new age beliefs. But as I began to look at the Bible and the prophecies fulfilled in the Bible, especially when it came to the New World Order, I saw, wait a second, they say these elite Luciferians are all saying that they want a one world government, they want a one world religion, a one world system, one bank, one military, and uh, microchip everyone and total control. Well, guess what? That's what the Bible says is going to happen, Revelation 13. And we're going to read that later too. So I saw that the Bible is predicting these things thousands of years ago, predicting that these things are going to happen in the future. And I saw, wait a second, these elite, uh, the elite are preparing this one world system for a reason. And it's for spiritual reasons. So that was, those are part of the planting of the seeds that led me to become a Christian. Uh, among other factors. But but the point is, is that I was a New Ager. I held a lot of these New Age beliefs. So I know what it is to get sucked into these things. And a lot of it was watching a lot of these truth truther videos, presentations and lectures given by, by various people. They had a lot of New Age beliefs. And it's in there. It's all throughout the truth movement. It's just blended right in there. So it's hard to discern sometimes what's true, what's not. What's uh, what's dangerous and what's not? What's what's what what you are de- being deceived by? Because it's always presented as, "Hey, this is something. This is some hidden truth 
that you need to know about. And if you, once you find out about this, you're going to free your mind. You're going to become more empowered, you know, all these other types of things. And you'll be able to fight against the elite. The elite doesn't want you to know about these secrets and like that nonsense of the, um, the monatomic gold, the M state gold, the powder that when you, you ingest it, you'll, you'll like turn blue and stuff. Uh, that stuff is real and it's not good. And, um, that doesn't help you. It it opens you up to malevolent spirits. So that's one thing I would not recommend. But you have other people like uh, Joe Rogan and other people that recommend you smoke DMT to um, expand your mind and access different dimensions. And that doesn't help you either. You're just opening yourself up for malevolent entities. And that is, that's one of the biggest deceptions in here. I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but I just want to say this one last thing. One of the biggest deceptions of the New Age movement is that uh, contacting spirits or alien intelligences, they they these beings they presented as positive and good and like they want to help humanity, right? Like they have the Great White Brotherhood and they have these extraterrestrial intelligences and all these other things, and they're supposed to help, but they're not here to help. They're here to deceive you. And like I said, Satan comes as an he presents himself transforms himself as an angel of light to come and help you. But they don't want to help you. And there's no way that you could know that. You're totally deceived. There's no way that you could see through that unless you had an objective standard for truth to see through the deception. Then you have discernment. Um, otherwise, you're going to be deceived. Now, there was one man, before I continue, there was one man, he wrote a great book. Uh, his name is Randall Byer. He wrote a book I think it was called Exposing the New Age Nightmare. Great book. He was totally engulfed in the New Age movement. And all of a sudden, he was like in this machine that he created to make him uh, meditate and, and get in contact with spirits and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, he saw that their true face, that they were these evil spirits. And uh, it really freaked him out. Showed him the truth. Everything fell apart after that. And then he tried to, very hard to expose the truth about the New Age movement and the danger of it after that. And then uh, he ended up getting, his car ended up getting run off the road and he died. Because he was speaking the truth. So, you can look that guy up. If I, maybe after the show I can put the link to that book in the description. Now, let's get into the, the show. All right. So what makes the new age in the truth movement so dangerous is the fact that these people speak a lot of truth when it comes to exposing the new world order. They mostly speak the truth when it comes to identifying the problems and agendas of the elite, but the danger comes with their solutions. Yes, absolutely. Their solutions are completely wrong and offer a false hope, right? So a lot of times, yeah, when they come to identifying the problems and the agendas of the new world order, a lot of these people, even though they're new agers, they tell a lot of truth. They can identify the problems. And uh, they expose, the, the, the like I said, the Federal Reserve System. They, they expose, um, you know, false flag attacks and all these other types of things. But their solutions are always these new age things that don't help anything. They're like, I'm sending you light and I'm sending, we're sending positive thoughts here and we need to raise ourselves to the next vibration. And 
and somehow this is going to defeat the the evil and the negativity in the world. That's their solution. Uh, many have said that the new age is really just old age beliefs repackaged. And this is true. That's exactly what it is. The new age, and this is what you need to see. The new age is simply old, very old beliefs. And they're just repackaged to try to present them as new. As something positive, as something new, as something good for humanity. That has been hidden from you, that you're accessing. These beliefs are so old, they go back to the Garden of Eden. Okay, so let's go back in here. Let's read about what exactly happened in the Garden of Eden. Because a lot of New Agers try to pretend like they know. And they try to teach, well, this is really what the Bible's teaching. They try to say, like, the Bible has these secret hidden meanings. And, uh, in fact, occultists and witches teach that, like, um, Manly P. Hall. The uh, 33rd degree Freemason, very uh, well-respected and renowned author. Not respected by me, but respected by Freemasons. He wrote a book called The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And in that book, he says that there's all these um, secret interpretations of the book of Revelation. And I think um, Francis Bacon had his interpretations of the a book of Revelation, all these other things. It's like the occult. It's not an interpretation, it's a twisting. Okay, they twist the Bible to make it fit their witchcraft beliefs. And uh, anyways, they try to claim to pretend they say, well, this is what really happened in Genesis and in the Garden of Eden, and they make it a bunch of New Age foolishness. But let's read what it exactly happened. Genesis chapter 3, starting verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Did God really say that? So he was, what was he doing? What was Satan doing? He was questioning God's word. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, God didn't say don't touch it. He said don't eat it. So Eve added a little bit to the word of God there. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Okay, so this is what to happen. This is the great event, the beginning of mankind, the infamous event. And Satan is, which is the serpent, and the Bible says that, the serpent, that, that Satan is that old serpent who is the devil and Satan, okay? Uh, this is that event where he said he directly, he questioned God's word, then he directly contradicted it, and he said, you shall not surely die. And then he lies. And he's saying, listen, God knows when you eat it, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be as God's. Why is he saying that? He's saying God's hiding this from you. It's this, you see this? It's the same, the same satanic lie back then is what Satan is trying to tell you now, New Agers. He's trying to tell you, listen, God is trying to hide this secret knowledge from you. He knows that you'll you'll be as gods if you get into contact with this information. And that's why he hides it from you. He doesn't want you to be as gods. That's a satanic lie. And why does Satan tell you that? Because it's an excuse for you to disobey God and to rebel. That's all it is. That's all it ever was, and that's all it is today, okay? 
So Eve was tempted by secret knowledge. This is basically Gnosticism. Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge, and it usually refers to spiritual mysteries. Gnostics believe in salvation through acquiring esoteric knowledge, okay? So um, Gnostics, basically, there's different, a few different flavors of Gnosticism, but essentially, Gnostics teach that everything physical, matter, was created by an evil god called the Demiurge. And that the only way for us to free ourselves from this, these prisons and this, the physical matter is through uh, secret knowledge so that we transcend our physical bodies. Some Gnostics actually teach that when you die, it's freeing your soul and your essence from this prison. Some Gnostics are so uh, radically evil that they believe when they kill other people, they're f- actually doing them good and freeing them from this flesh, evil flesh prison of matter. Um, that would be people like Charles Manson and other people that were part of the cult called the Process, which is short for the Process Church of Final Judgment. And I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole today. That's a big topic, which is pretty dangerous. But... Nevertheless, those are Gnostics. And this is Gnosticism. That's the essence of it. It's that knowledge. It's all about knowledge. You you obtain the secret knowledge that God doesn't want you to have, and then you transcend, you become a God, you free yourself from this prison of your physical body, and humans have so much more potential lying within. And this is why Lucifer, to the Gnostics and other people, Luciferians, Lucifer is seen as the hero. To people as such as uh, H.P. Blavatsky, Helena Petrovna Blavatsky, the founder of Theosophy. Lucifer is seen as the hero. He is seen as the one that came to offer mankind the secret knowledge that God was suppressing. He's the Prometheus figure offering fire to mankind. Knowledge, fire, hidden wisdom. Okay? That's the essence of the occult, because the word occult means hidden, hidden knowledge. That's all it means. Okay, so if something is the occult, it's just knowledge that's hidden from the masses. And uh, this is why you have secret societies, because they uh, swear oaths to keep these sec- these, uh, this knowledge secret. And then they pass it down, and the very elite ones, some of them write down these mysteries in books, But some of them, the very elite ones, especially the higher levels, they only pass down these secrets by word of mouth. Okay? And, uh, but the essence of occultism, it's Gnosticism. Hidden knowledge, hidden, hidden, uh, knowledge is salvation. Now, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. Okay? That's all it is. Satan fooled Eve into thinking that God was hiding something good from her. Satan made her think it would be better for her to sin against God by disobeying him to get this hidden knowledge than to obey God and not eat from the tree, right? That's, and that's what Satan tries to do today. He tries to make you think it's better for you to sin, disobey God, so that you can get the hidden knowledge than for you to obey God. Because obeying God is boring, right? Right? You just want to obey God. That's just boring and that's, that's just so limited. It's such a oppressive prison that you have to stay in when you just obey God. That's a lie. That's the lie 
that Satan puts in your head to deceive you. Okay? And you need to see through this deception. So Satan was actually convincing Eve to follow in his footsteps of rebellion. When Satan was the covering cherub named Lucifer, in case you didn't know that, that's who he is. Satan means adversary, and Lucifer means light bearer. This is why Lucifer is the patron saint of the New Age movement. If you really look into it, you go to the upper levels because Lucifer is light bearer, and the New Age movement is filled with what they call light. They have people called light workers. Um, all throughout Freemasonry, they, they say they want light. That's their goal is to get more light. Uh, well, Lucifer is called the light bearer. So that's why they go to Lucifer for light. It's a false light, though. So Lucifer is the name of Satan before he fell when he was a covering. He was a specific type of angelic being called a covering cherub. He actually covered God's throne. When Satan was the covering cherub named Lucifer, he got lifted up with pride and thought he could be like God. Now, let's read what happened um, to Lucifer in Isaiah chapter 14 in the Bible, starting in verse 12. Bible says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? By the way, as a side note, the King James Bible is the only one. I don't know if the new King James changed it. I think they did. But it's the, it's the only translation that says Lucifer. All the other ones took it out and it says morning star or day star or something like that. But NIV says morning star. Well, that's a problem because morning star is a title reserved for Jesus Christ in Revelation chapter 22. So they're trying to make Lucifer Jesus and Jesus Lucifer. It's That's a Gnostic, that's a Gnostic teaching. Actually, in the process, church, the group that Charles Manson was a part of, um, still is as far as I know. Uh, and then what's the other guy? The son of Sam. He was a part of this process. They, they worshiped Satan, Lucifer, Jehovah, and Jesus. They worshiped all of them. They just considered it different aspects of God. So it fits in with their teaching of mixing the morning star and Lucifer and all this other stuff. But what it should say is, oh, Lucifer, how art thou fallen from heaven? Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning. How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart. Okay, so pay attention. This is what Lucifer said in his heart before he fell. This is why God kicked him out of heaven. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So what did Satan say? He said, I will be like God. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And stars, by the way, are called are also called angels in the Bible. Um, and also he says the Mount of the Congregation. Well, a lot of the times the congregation in the Bible talks about God's people, Israel and, and in the New Testament, the church, the New Testament saints. So Satan wanted, he, Lucifer wanted to exalt himself, his throne, above the angels, above God's people, and to be like God himself. He got so filled with pride that this is what he thought he was going to do. But then God says in verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit, 
They that see thee shall narrowly, narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? That did shake kingdoms? That made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof? That opened not the house of his prisoners? And that's going to happen, by the way, one day. When the end of the world happens and we all, and and, and uh, God is uh, judging the world in righteousness, we're going to see the judgment of Satan and we're all going to look at him and say, this is it? This is the man that made the earth to tremble, that shake, that did shake kingdoms? This is it? This is all there is? And that's it. That's all it was. Was a lonely cherub, a created being who thought he could be God. But he will end up in the lake of fire. And we don't, and all his angels. The Bible says that the lake of fire is everlasting. Jesus said, everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where he's going. Now, it is the same today with the New Age. The New Agers teach many different things, but most of all, it boils down to the teaching that we all have this divine spark and power within us that we need to awaken and release to become gods. It's the same thing Satan was teaching. It's what he thought in his heart, and then that's what he taught Eve. They speak of attaining higher consciousness, higher vibrations, hidden abilities, psychic powers, channeling spirits, kundalini yoga, meditation, ascending to other dimensions, lucid dreaming, astral travel, saying that we have two-strand DNA, but we're supposed to have 12 strands, etc., and etc. goes on and on. They always bring it back to we are gods. I remember I saw that this documentary years ago. I think it was called, um, literally it was called What the Bleep Do We Know? Someone like that. And they had this crazy woman on there. Ramtha, and she talks all dramatic. She goes, "We are gods." <laughs> it's the goofiest stuff in the world. <laughs> oh man, it's super dramatic. But that's what they say over and over again: "We are gods. You are a god. You just don't know it, and you have to tap into the hidden knowledge and the abilities. And you can, we can, are going to do all these great things. And this is why, um." They push these superhero movies because that's what everyone wants to be. They want to have these special abilities. They push push magic and witchcraft because makes people feel like, man, I wish I had those abilities. And and uh, I know it's all fantasy, right? These just these movies, and people go, okay, well, you know, I wish I had that, but I can't have that. Well, in the New Age movement, they say you can have that. <laughs> that's why people are attracted to it. And um, some of these belie- these abilities are real, but when it has to be, it's uh, their witchcraft practices. And we're going to get into that next. Okay, so many of these new age practices that are, are talked about in the Bible. Yeah, these practices are talked about, except they are condemned as practicing witchcraft. Okay, so this is probably going to be the hardest pill for you to swallow if you're a new ager. But new age practices are witchcraft. Okay, and some of you, and you probably, many of you don't care, but God cares. He cares a lot, and God does not like witchcraft at all. 
So let's look at a list of some of these practices. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse 9, God says this, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. Okay, so people, especially people that worship Baal and Moloch, they would actually sacrifice their children to these false gods. They would um, start a fire in the belly of this idol and they would get these molten, these arms of metal, they would get them red hot and they put the babies on the arms and they would sometimes roll down into the belly, into the fire, or they just burn there and the babies would be screaming and then they play these really loud drums to cover up the screams of the babies. So that's what it means to pass the son or the daughter through the fire. God says, don't do that. Or that useth divination. Okay, so what is divination? Many, well, it's many different practices. It's uh, tarot cards, psychics. Um, there's things called like geomancy, and um, people would witch doctors read um, entrails. Shamans do that using shamanism. Anything where they try to tell the future or tell you about your past lives or present secret, you know, hidden secret knowledge about you. That's all divination. Okay, and a lot of times they use some type of tool to to tell you things about you that no one else could know. Okay, and um, they can do this. You know, there's a lot of fakes out there, but there are people that do this. They have um, familiar spirits. They have this power they get from demons, from devils, that helps them to tell people things about them that they wouldn't there's no way this person would be able to know about their past about their future and these types of things well you you might say oh how can they tell them the future well they tell them something's going to happen and then that spirit helps to happen helps that to happen that's one way but uh so divination that's a practice forbidden by god let's see some of the other ones or an observer of times this is astrology Astrology is talked about in other places in the Bible too. It's condemned. Astrology is condemned. Astronomy, nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Astronomy, looking at the stars, studying how the stars and the sun and the moon and, and, the, and the sky works. That's great. But astrology, when you actually say that the month that you were born in affects your life uh, uh, and how who you're going to be, that the the alignment of the stars and the planets going to affect your life and and it's going to predict the future about what's going to happen. When you start getting into all that, that's nothing but witchcraft and uh, it's forbidden, which includes horoscopes. That's nothing but astrology. So if you're a Christian looking at horoscopes, you should you need to stop right now, repent of that. That's not something you should be doing. Uh, here's the next one: an enchanter. A lot of people don't know what an enchanter is. An enchanter is something very real, which is due today. This is the process whereby someone enchants or magically charges an object, which most of the time is a piece of occult jewelry or a ritual dagger, but enchanters charge any object. It could be any object. doesn't matter what it is. So they charge this object, and then they can use it for, they say, for luck uh, or for something negative. Like if there's a voodoo, uh, priest or a priestess, they could um, magically charge a dagger with negative energy, and then they can bury it near your house to curse you. You know, or they hide it somewhere, and or they take um piece of someone's hair or something like that, and they enchant it. 
these are some of the things that they do, or they do it for luck. Like people have lucky rabbits' foots and and all the other type of things. That's just enchanting. And it's a, it's a practice of witchcraft. It's not something that you should be doing. And if you actually, if you go on, uh, what's that website called? Etsy. On Etsy, there's a bunch of witches that have shops on there, and they're selling all kinds of enchanted objects. And they have all kinds of crazy backstories about the jewelry on there, like necklaces and rings and stuff. And they're like, this ring was passed down for generations by these this bloodline witch family and all this stuff. And, you know, it's just those are all enchanted objects. And that's witchcraft, so that's forbidden. Here's another one, and then God says, or a witch, okay? Any type of witchcraft, God forbids that you are a witch or a charmer, um, a consulter with familiar spirits, familiar spirits too, uh, or a wizard or a necromancer. That's communicating with the supposed spirits of the dead. That's another big one too. People have seances. They do Ouija boards. That's all forbidden as necromancy okay and what that what a familiar spirit is in necromancy it uses familiar spirits familiar spirits can pretend to be your dead relatives or some dead friend or some other dead person they can mimic perfectly the person's voice and personality uh that's what necromancy is and necromancy actually gets even more disgusting and wicked but we're not going to go there the egyptians practice some pretty messed up stuff but communicating with the supposed spirits of the dead that is forbidden so you're talking about in the new age movement they they say they channel dead people they channel the spirit of edgar casey and you know uh dead people like blavatsky and, and famous people like gandhi and jesus and and uh, all these other people, they say they channel these spirits. Those are nothing but evil spirits. They're devils masquerading as the spirits of the dead. You know how I know? Here's how I know. Because the Bible teaches that when you die, your soul goes to heaven or hell to await the day of judgment. Okay? There is no communication with the dead. Okay? Right now. From now, uh, from this plane of existence... To heaven and hell, there is no communication. That includes praying to dead saints, you Catholics. You cannot pray to them, including Mary. Mary cannot answer your prayers. She cannot hear your prayers. She cannot answer them. Neither can any other dead person. If you call them a saint, it doesn't matter who they are. You cannot communicate with the dead. All you have are a bunch of evil spirits masquerading and playing tricks on you to suck you into deception and to deceive you. That's what's happening. And what does God say about these practices? Verse 12, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12. So all these occult practices, man, I said practiced again. What is the deal, bruh? All those occult practices are called an abomination. An abomination is something God utterly detests. It is a stench in God's nostrils. It's something he hates extremely. Okay, All those practices are an abomination. And it says for, it doesn't just say the practices are, it says for all that do these things are an abomination of the Lord. So if you do those things, you are an abomination unto God. 
not just the practice. You are an abomination if you're doing those things. So you need to repent of doing that, those things. You don't. You do not need to be doing those. So witchcraft is condemned as rebellion in the word of God. 1 Samuel 15, 23 says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. This means that the New Age movement is rebellion against God and an abomination in his sight. The whole New Age movement, it's rebellion against God and an abomination in his sight. You could repackage it all you want. You could say it's positive, it's love, it's light, it's all these other things. No, it's an abomination before God. That's what it is. Stop trying to soft sell it. Stop trying to redefine it and repackage it. It's an abomination before God and you need to get out of it and repent of it. Turn your back on it. What does this all mean? Well, this is the exact same lie Satan offered to Eve. Ye shall be as gods. That's because Satan is the one pushing these new age beliefs and he packages these beliefs to appear positive and good. He wants people to think they are awake to the truth and that they have hidden powers, which is really the witchcraft. They have, he wants them to make them think they're awake and they have hidden powers they can use for good to unite humanity. And that's why you have these people who practice Wicca or so-called white witchcraft. They think they can use those things for good. For positive purposes, they might say, oh, I don't practice black magic. It doesn't matter. It's still bad and it still comes from the same source, just like the force in Star Wars. Darth Vader got his power from the same force that Obi-Wan Kenobi did. It's the same source from Lucifer, from the devils, Lucifer and his angels. All right. So, this great deception will be used to his advantage, the devil's advantage, to unite the world for the kingdom of Antichrist. The Antichrist will be the ultimate ascended master that is ascended to godhood, quote unquote. This embodiment of the Christ consciousness, as New Agers like to call it, will be worshipped by everyone on earth except those that are born again children of God, that know the word of God. Okay, all these, all the people on earth are going to worship, worship this embodiment of the Christ consciousness, the Antichrist. The Antichrist is called the beast. Another person who can perform miracles will appear with him who is called the false prophet, another beast. This false prophet is described as another beast. Beasts in the Bible represent kings or kingdoms. Okay, now let's read a little bit about this. This is one of the most, this is one of the chapters in the Bible that helped me to see that the Bible is the truth and it brought me out of the New Age movement. Okay, so we need to know about this. Revelation chapter 13, and it talks about this one world system and kingdom that is going to come, and it's for the Antichrist, this Messiah figure. Now listen, in case you don't know, Antichrist doesn't just mean against Christ. It means in place of a substitute Christ. Okay? This Antichrist will be a Messiah-like figure worshipped by the world, okay? That's who he is. Now, let's read. We're going to read Revelation 13, starting in verse 1, okay? It's interesting because it has 18 verses, 
And three times six is 18, 666. All right. Now, starting verse one, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and 10 horns and upon his horns, 10 crowns and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the, so this beast that comes out of the sea, this is the antichrist and the beat in the sea represents many people and this beast, which I saw. And, and by the way, am I just coming up with random definitions for these words? No, the Bible says that this is what these words mean. And the beast, which I saw was like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. What does that mean? Well, the beast is a combination of a leopard, a bear, and a lion. Well, if you go to the book of Daniel, these are the part of the different kingdoms which Daniel described as representing the four kingdoms that took over the earth. Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome, okay? Uh, Babylon was the lion. Uh, the bear was Medo-Persia, I think, and leopard was Greece. And Rome was this different type of beast that, had, um, that was greater than all the other ones, and it's stamped out all the other beasts but the next part says the dragon gave him his power who is the dragon the dragon is the devil okay the bible says that the dragon is who is that old serpent which is the devil and satan and he calls him the dragon so the bible says that the dragon satan gives the beast the antichrist his power his seat and great authority Verse three, and I saw one of his heads as if it were wounded, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. So this Antichrist, I believe, will be wounded to death, meaning he will be killed, and then his wound is going to be healed. It's like he's going to be resurrected, which is and the reason he does that is he's mimicking jesus christ he's, he's being a counterfeit christ so he's going to mimic this miracle of rising from the dead and that's going to make all the world wonder after him and worship him and they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast so people are not only going to worship the antichrist they're going to worship satan too they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like unto the beast who is able to make war with him and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months, two, uh, three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. Okay, he's going to blaspheme God. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given over uh, him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So he's going to persecute the saints, the saved people that are on the earth at that time. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. That's what I said, right? All that dwell upon the earth shall worship the Antichrist, the beast, this Messiah-like figure who embodies the Christ consciousness, as they say in the New Age movement. All that dwell on the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear to hear, have an ear, let him hear. So it says everyone's going to worship him except those whose names are written in the book of life. Who are that? Who are those people? Those are the saved people. Okay? Saved people are not going to worship the Antichrist. Now let's go into verse 10. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Okay? Uh, it's going to be a very violent 
time. And verse 11, I beheld another beast coming up, and I'm not giving a really extensive breakdown of Bible prophecy here in this chapter. I'm just giving you a basic rundown. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. This is the false prophet now, okay? So this is the other beast, the false prophet. I held another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. So he has, he appears as a lamb. He People are going to view him as that, as like the lamb. Well, who is a lamb? Jesus. He's the lamb of God. So they're going to view him as nice, but he spake as a dragon, very evil. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him. He's got all the same power. And causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Okay, so this false prophet is going to cause everyone to worship the first beast. He's going to say, okay, you need to worship this Antichrist. We're not going to call him the Antichrist. And he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. Okay, so this false prophet is going to do miracles. He's going to have power. The same power that the New Agers crave today. He's going to make fire come down from heaven. And what is that mimicking? Well, who made fire come down from heaven in the Bible? Elijah. Okay? So that will appeal to the Jews on earth who are not saved. Okay? He will make fire come down from heaven. And that's another miracle that he does by the power of devils. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Okay? So he's deceiving. How does he deceive? How does the beast and the false prophet deceive the world? Through miracles. Power. Just the type of power the New Agers are talking about. Okay? These are the superheroes. And they're going to deceive the whole world with these miracles. And he's saying that they should make an image to the beast. So they should make this big statue of the antichrist and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many would not as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed okay so this idol this image of the beast this is going to be a big statue the false prophet is going to make do another miracle and make the statue speak and uh further ensnaring people into worship and idolatry and everyone that will not worship the image, they, they should he's going to say they need to be put to death. Same thing happened in the book of Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar set up a, a um, image, and he said whenever the music plays, everyone needs to bow down and worship it. And the Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, said they wouldn't do it. So I threw them in a fiery furnace. They didn't die. And Jesus was in the furnace with them. He says, one is like unto the Son of God. And they came out of the fire. They weren't harmed. Their clothing didn't even smell like smoke. And eventually Nebuchadnezzar ended up getting converted. But that was a foreshadowing of what this of, of this event, of what would happen in the future. So verse 16, and he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and no man and that no man might buy or sell. Save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six, otherwise known as six six six, the mark of the beast. Okay. 
Now, why is that significant? It says he causes everyone in the world that no one can buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast because you have to have a one world system, a one world government, one world bank, everything in order for the mark of the beast system to work. Therefore, the Bible prophesies of this one world system that all the elite Luciferians and the CFR and the TLC and the Bilderberg Group and the Vatican and the Jesuits and the Knights of Malta and the Freemasons at high level at the top of the pyramid and all these groups are pushing for the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, all these people, what are they pushing for? The new world order, the one world government, the one world system, the one world religion. They're setting it up for this, for the Antichrist, for the beast, for the mark of the beast, for this system. It's for the Antichrist. And the Bible is telling you beforehand that this is what is going to happen. And all the movies and the music and the symbolism and corporate logos and all over the place and on the toys and the clothing that they put the symbols of the all-seeing eye and hexagrams and pentagrams and and the number 33 and all these other things that they put on there and 666, what are they putting that there? To prepare the world to worship the Antichrist. What are all these movies about that are about superheroes and these saviors that come in and help to save the world? It's about the Antichrist, Superman. It's about the man of sin. It's about the Antichrist is preparing you to worship the beast, the coming false counterfeit savior. That's what they're preparing you for. It's predictive programming. That's what it's all pointing to. It's all culminating in this new world order kingdom. It's all for the beast. That's what it's for. And you need to wake up to the real deception, which is this deception, Revelation 13. Okay? That is what is being, is, uh, Satan is preparing the world for. So the end result of the New Age movement is to worship the beast, the savior they've been waiting for. Okay? Because the, the New Agers talk about this Christ consciousness and the cosmic Christ. You know, they had the New Ager, the Jesuit New Ager, Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. He wrote that about the cosmic Christ, okay? This is all talking. They have, uh, what's her name? Alice Bailey. She wrote about the externalization of the hierarchy, but the coming Christ, consciousness, and the ascended masters. And H.P. HP Blavatsky wrote about the same thing. They're all writing about this coming Christ figure, to fulfill all the world's religions. And you have this uh, hexagram symbol. It's in all the world's religions. It's all preparing for this figure. And the New Agers are helping to push the world in that direction. So the end result is to worship the beast. The end result of the New Age movement is to worship the beast, the savior they've been waiting for. And what happens to those that worship the beast is very important. Revelation chapter 14, verses starting verse 9. And the third angel followed him, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Revelation 14, 9 through 11. Those who worship 
the beast will go to the lake of fire. Okay? It says, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive the mark, they're going to drink of the wrath of God. They are going to be tormented in fire and brimstone and the smoke of their torment arise up forever, ever. They have no rest day nor night forever and ever if you worship the beast. You do not want to worship the beast. So those who worship the beast will go to the lake of fire for all of eternity. In addition to that, look who else goes to the lake of fire. Revelation 21.8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 21.8. The sorcerers. The sorcerers will have their part in the lake of fire. The sorcerers are the people that participate in all of the so-called New Age practices, which are simply witchcraft. If you're involved in those New Age practices in the New Age movement, or if you're participating in any of it, whether you call yourself a New Age or not, if you're participating in those practices, you're a sorcerer. And you have a part in the lake of fire. The end result of following New Age beliefs is ending up in the lake of fire. Satan blinds New Agers to the consequences of their sin and disobedience to God, just like he did with Eve. Eve disobeyed God, even though God said that they would surely die when they ate from the tree of knowledge. Man died spiritually when they ate from that tree. Now everyone is born spiritually dead into this world. Let's look at what the Bible says about this, about being spiritually dead. So that's what happened when Adam and Eve ate from that tree. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 says this, Wherefore, as one, as by one man sin entered into the world, that was Adam, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Okay? So what that means is, even those that didn't sin the same way that Adam did, it was passed, death was passed upon them all. Sin and death. And they were spiritually dead. Death reigned. Death, first of all, physical death, but also spiritual death. Because man is born spiritually dead, he gravitates towards sin. This is why you need to be quickened, which means to be to be made spiritually alive, alive spiritually. Let's look at this in uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses one through five. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. It says right there, when you're a lost person, you're dead in trespasses and sins, dead in sin. Wherein in time past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, that's Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Okay, so if you're a lost person, you're not saved, you've never been born again, you've never been converted, you are walking according to the course of this world, you are walking according to the prince of the power of the air, you're walking according to the dictates of Satan, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So if you're lost, you're a child of disobedience and the spirit of Satan is working in you. 
among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. Conversation here just doesn't mean your words. It also means your behavior. We all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. So when you're lost, you're dead in sin, spiritually dead. But if you get saved, you're quickened with Christ. You are made spiritually alive. And here's another one, Colossians 2.13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all his trespasses. So it's just another passage saying, when you're lost, you're dead in your sins. Spiritually dead. Now, being quickened is the same as being born again. You must be born again because you are spiritually dead in sins, not just by birth, but also by choices you have made to willfully sin against God by breaking his commandments. Uh, John chapter three, starting at verse three, Jesus said this, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Being born again means to be supernaturally transformed into a new person by God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Being born again means that God gives you a new heart that no longer wants to live a life of sin and rebellion against God, but instead wants to live a life pleasing to God and his commandments are not a burden anymore, but a blessing to show our love toward him. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. God will put a new heart within you, a new spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you will walk in his statutes, his commandments. This is very important in order to understand the truth movement, because if you are lost, you are going to trust and follow your heart. Over and over, I have heard truthers say, follow your heart, just follow your heart, follow your feelings, trust your feelings, trust your gut, trust your intuition, over and over again. That's what they say. Trust your gut, trust your intuition. That's what's going to help you. That's a lie. What does the Bible say? And the Bible is the truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Everything else is just your opinion. Okay? Your gut is not going to, and your intuition is not going to lead you into the truth, following your heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things 
and desperately wicked who can know it. Above all things, the heart is deceitful. It will deceive you. You can't trust it. What does it say? What else does it say in the Bible? Proverbs 28, 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. If you trust in your own heart, you're a fool. It's going to deceive you. It's going to lead you in the wrong direction. And you know what else it says? It says the heart is desperately wicked. That means your heart loves sin. So you are going to follow your heart because your heart wants to sin. It's going to say, hey, what pleases me? What is going to help me enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season instead of doing what is right and the truth? So the most important thing is to be born again. How are you born again? Mark 1.14 says this, Now after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. For more truth about the gospel and the nature of truth, go watch the video, Dangers of the Truth Movement, Triggering Cognitive Dissonance and the Snare of Self-Righteousness. I give go in a lot more detail there. But in order to be born again, you need to repent and believe the gospel. Repent means you first you admit and acknowledge and see that you are a sinner. Okay, because a lot of New Agers teach that you're not a sinner. You're not born a sinner. All that garbage. That's a lie. It's total deception, okay? You're a sinner. You need to admit it. But you need, it's not just admitting you're a sinner. You need to be sorry for your sin, hate your sin, and turn from a life of sin. You need to turn your back on a life of rebellion. Not just like this sin and that sin, a, a life, everything. You're in the direction of sin. You need to turn from that direction. You're sorry, you hate it, and you want to turn from it. And you turn towards Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. He is the only way, okay? Jesus is not a savior, okay? He's not only one way. He's not just one of the masters, okay? Like Buddha and Krishna and all these other ones, okay? He is the only way. Jesus clearly said in John 14, 6, I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You cannot have a relationship with God. You cannot come to God except through Jesus Christ. Now, either you consider Jesus to be a liar, to be crazy, or he's the son of God. Because he said he was the only way. He said he's the son of God. Okay, so you either reject that, you say he's lying, you say he's crazy, or he really is the son of God. You can't say, well, he was a good teacher and he was one of the masters. No, no. Because he said he was the only way. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, I think, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only way for you to be saved. Okay? He is not just a master. He is the master. He is King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the only Savior. He came here, born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life, perfectly kept God's law. Then he died on the cross for your sin. He took the punishment. He took the wrath of God that you deserve. He was buried. And after three days, he rose again from the dead. And now he ascended into heaven and he is alive now, ready to save you. But you must repent 
and put your faith in him, in him as a person, that he did all that for you. And you only are trusting that he took the punishment that you deserve, that he died for your sins, that you can't pay for your sins. You can't do any good works and try to do any good deeds and try to be a good person. None of that's going to save you. None of that will cover up your sin. None of that will save you. Only putting your faith in Jesus Christ will will save you. Okay, one last scripture and then we'll be done. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 9. It says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If it were of your works, then you could boast and say, Hey, I'm better than you. I got into heaven because I did this and you didn't do this. But that's not how it works. It's by, it's be, it's about what Jesus did and having faith in him. Not in yourself, because we're all sinners. Okay? So if you repent, put your faith in Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, you'll be saved, you'll be born again, and then you'll be able to see the truth and become part of the real truth movement. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Okay? So you'll have, you'll have Jesus as your master, who is the truth, and you'll have the word of God, which is the truth. And you'll be able to have discernment to tell between lies and truth. All right. So that's it for today. And uh, that's just a general overview of the dangers of the new age in the truth movement. Now, there's a lot more I could say. I could preach a series of shows, do a series of shows on all the different new age practices that are out there that are in the truth movement, that are in the churches, and I'm sure I will. But for now, it's a general overview that the new age has completely infiltrated the truth movement and it is very dangerous. And it's nothing but Gnosticism and witchcraft repackaged and sold as something positive, light, and in love. But it's completely satanic and evil. So I hope you see through this. If you're not a Christian, I hope you get saved and become born again. Send me an email if you want to know more. If you're a Christian, please warn your friends and your truth or friends about the dangers of the new age. And now you have maybe you'll have some more tools to explain this and better to expose it. And thank you for watching today. There will be more videos coming soon about the dangers of the truth movement. And also, I plan on some more videos coming soon exposing some of the satanic agendas that are going on right now and unfolding before our eyes. And so I thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to another Sound the Battle Cry radio. And I hope you have a good day. God bless you. And have see you later.